Today on Happy Sad Confused, Tony Collette on perhaps the performance of her career in Hereditary. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy Sad Confused, my little old podcast where I talk to big old movie stars and filmmakers about their projects and lives. And uh, I'm very pleased to say that today's episode is a first timer to Happy Sad Confused. First time I've, I think I've ever chatted with her, uh, Tony Collette, one of our greatest actors on the planet. I, I, I feel very comfortable in saying that, especially when you... When you take a look at the filmography for a second, you take a look back at all the the varied work that Tony Collette has done over the years, and um, Oscar nominated for The Sixth Sense, but that's really just the tip of the iceberg. From Muriel's Wedding, uh, The Little Miss Sunshine, uh, In Her Shoes, a lot of underrated smaller films in there too, uh, and now starring in the new film from A24, our, our favorite little studio that could, uh, the crazy, oh my god, drama, horror, thriller, suspense. Uh, It's uh, hard to pin down. It's a lot of things. Hereditary is the movie. You've probably, if you listen to this podcast, you're a movie fan, and if you're a movie fan, you're kind of in the know on what people are talking about, and people are very much talking about Hereditary. I'd heard the buzz building on this since uh, it premiered at Sundance. I didn't catch it there, sadly. But I finally did a few weeks ago, and it is, uh, it's maybe my favorite movie of the year. It's definitely up there. It's definitely top 10 material, probably for me by the end of the year, uh, safe to say. I want to see it again. It's, um, you know, it's one of those movies that I I don't want to reveal too much about it, but suffice it to say, it is a, it's a kind of a family drama in some ways. Uh, Tony Collette as uh, the matriarch of this family, though her, her mom at the outset of this film has just passed away, uh, and she is a mother, and she is a wife, and she is plagued by a fractured relationship with her, her now deceased mother, and struggling with um, major issues that come up with her own children, and uh, it starts out kind of as a relatable, really sad um, uh, portrait of a, a family dealing with grief and loss, and it kind of goes off the rails in many different interesting ways as it progresses. And by the end, um, man, it's it's an intense couple hours at the movies, but it's a, a very very impressive piece of work from the uh, first time filmmaker. That's amazing, and from Tony Collette and this uh, great uh, great ensemble of actors, including uh, Gabriel Byrne and Alex Wolf. Um, it's a uh, it's a movie that I think we're going to be talking about throughout the year. So check out Hereditary, uh, and check out this conversation with Tony Collette. A couple of disclaimers. You might hear even now, I'm taping this introduction from the confines of my lovely apartment, which is lovely, except that there's constant construction going on around me. You might hear drilling. It's a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I actually taped this conversation with Tony just uh, a couple blocks from my apartment. So you're going to hear the same drilling <laughs> because there is construction everywhere in my neighborhood. Um, so apologies, a little drilling in the background occasionally, but you're going to hear the delicious, wonderful Australian voice of Tony Collette to uh, soothe you. So it's going to be okay, guys. Um, beyond that, beyond this conversation and the movie, uh, just to mention a couple other things, uh, if you are an Arrested Development fan, if you've not caught up on the new season, it's quite good. But also, I want to mention it because uh, I did a really fun uh, uh, trivia contest with none other than um, Will Arnett and Jason Bateman. Uh, that was a blast to shoot, and it is currently 
up on all of MTV's social platforms. Uh, on MTV News' Facebook uh, page, uh, on MTV News' YouTube page, Twitter, all that jazz. So look it up. I'm very proud of it. It was a lot of fun to shoot with those two guys. Uh, so smart, self-deprecating. Um, and uh, yeah, just if you're a Arrested fan, I think you'll dig it. Um, other than that, not much else to say except that things are going to get a little crazy around my parts the next couple weeks. I'm headed off to Los Angeles soon for my annual uh, trip to the MTV, formerly known as the MTV Movie Awards, now the MTV Movie and TV Awards. I will be there in a big way. Tiffany Haddish is hosting. It should be a lot of fun. A lot of our favorite people are going to be there. Chris Pratt is getting the Generation Award. Uh, and I'm also going to be seeing Chris at the Jurassic World premiere uh, which MTV and, and I, I get to host, actually. I'm hosting the red carpet for that um, next week in Los Angeles. So I'll, I'll spread the good word on social media. Um, but it's going to be a live stream, I believe. So you'll be able to watch me uh, talk to everybody from Jeff Goldblum, Bryce Dallas Howard, and, of course, Chris Pratt about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I'm seeing it tonight, actually, and I'm, I'm legitimately really excited. Um, I... I've touted on this podcast and other places how big a fan I am of the director, uh, J.A. Bayona, who did uh, The Impossible and A Monster Calls. So, and I'm hearing good buzz. So, fingers crossed, this one's going to be a, a big, uh, a, I think it's going to be a, both a big, uh, you know, fun summer movie, but Bayona's got some style and he can really deal with like heavy emotion too. So, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for something a little even more special than you might expect from a summer blockbuster. So fingers crossed on that one. Uh, as always, please spread the good word of Happy, Sad, Confused. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family. That's the way this show gets bigger and better, and we can bring you guests like the great Tony Collette. So without any further ado, let's go to that conversation. Uh, enjoy this chat with Tony, and uh, go see Hereditary. Uh, out in theaters now in your in your neighborhood, or if not now, quite soon. Check it out. It's great to meet you. I'm such a fan of yours. Oh, nice to meet you. Thank uh, you so um, much. Yeah, you were just saying, you know, we were comparing notes on the junk traversing experience. The, the junk experience. <laughs> and you're, you're right, because I think, I, I, I would think you, you know, having done this once or twice, you can decipher the person that walks in the room that's just sort of like BSing you yeah. and the one that is actually kind of moved. Genuinely excited And this about one is like things. that. It's crazy. Um, so congratulations. Oh, I hope you're so enjoying much. this crazy ride. It's interesting. I, you know, I don't know. I think I've made almost 70 movies. I've been doing this since I was a teenager and now I'm, you know, this year I turned 46 and I have to say I think this is the first film in my entire career where there's been such a palpable, excited feeling for a film that hasn't even come out yet. Yeah. There was that, I mean, it, was, it premiered right at Sundance, right? Is that, is that it true? It did. Yeah. I wasn't there. I didn't yeah. go to, there were a couple of screenings at Sundance in January and then it screened at South by Southwest. Right. Um, there's also, I mean, there have been several screenings since then. But, um, yeah, I watched it for the first time a couple of weeks ago at a screening in L.A. And then I watched it at the London premiere. I was just saying to my manager, oh, I don't know. I don't think I can watch it tonight. We've got the premiere here in New York. And I love this film, but it's so heavy. And I, I can't help but when I watch something that I'm into kind of 
feel what I was feeling on the day. So nice. it's too exhausting. Yeah. Mm. It's funny because like, yeah, even the experience of like jaded film critics going into a screening for this one. Uh, like I saw this a couple weeks back and I'd been hearing the buzz building for months at these festivals you mentioned. And like I walked into the screening. And I think it's going to be the same for, for general audiences too because they're going to have heard a little bit about it. Hopefully not too much. Um, and we, I feel like we all walked into the screening room and we were all like bracing ourselves together. <laughs> no, I mean, truly, we were all like, are you going to, are we going to get through this? Are we okay? <laughs> it felt, it was like actually a really kind of a moment of solidarity among jaded, horrible New York film critics. <laughs> I think that's happening for people who are seeing it in general. There's kind of a sense of safety in numbers, yes. right? And also, I don't know, certain films kind of lend themselves to a communal experience and this is one of them. This yeah. is certainly something to try and see in the theatre, in the cinema, because, um, I mean, it's not your average film. No. And uh, it's funny watching it with an audience because the moments of nervous energy that erupt um, just because they need a break yes. from from this kind of relentless suspense. Building tension, et cetera, is yeah. amazing to behold. It's yeah. totally fascinating and and kind of makes it fun. Definitely. Yeah. So, okay, so we're going to come back around if it's okay to, sure. to, to Hereditary. I do want to talk at length about that. But, like, you know, I, I've surprisingly never, I think, chatted with you over the years. I've covered movies for years at, at MTV. And yeah, I don't maybe think you I haven't have. done enough, like, tween comedies for us or something. <laughs> What's wrong with me? <laughs> no, it's not, it's not you. Don't worry. <laughs> but I have to say, in addition to being a fan of yours, I got a chance to kind of, like, watch and listen to some interviews oh, wow. with you. Okay. And I feel like oh. this is on you now. Like, I feel like I already am in love with you as a human being now, beyond as an actor. Oh my like, God. Well, you just seem like a cool, a very cool person. Like you oh, feel like someone that, nice. that I, 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 it's basically on you the next 40 minutes, not to disappoint me is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to put pressure, <laughs> but I kind of do want to put pressure on you. Um, because like one thing that, that, that kind of translates in, in, in watching you speak and listening to you speak is, you know, it's, you're not too precious about the craft, or you are, but you. But in terms of talking about it, you're you. You know, and I feel like, you know, I don't know if there's a differentiation, but like when I, when an actor kind of takes it all, they can take it seriously. You should take your work seriously. I agree. Yeah. But in, I don't know, in the, the mysticism around it, and kind of like making it a little bit more than it. It's a job, like any other job, yeah, in a way. Yeah, it's a job, and it's just a movie, but. I think the difference is when with most jobs you you do something outside of yourself and any artist uses themselves. So it yeah. somehow does become a little personal. Um, but, yeah, I'm not a fan of really talking about acting simply because um, I don't quite understand what I'm doing and, yeah. I, and I like it that way. I used to try to articulate what, what it was for people and felt like I needed to give answers about how I worked and how the you know the process and I just you know you know there is certainly things I'm aware of and that I um that I attempt to do but I also like to get out of my own way because I think that's when the best like most alive yeah. moments can happen it allows for spontaneity and that's the most exciting part when a scene kind of takes on an energy of its own when you're working with someone who's just as present and open and willing to just let go right that to me is an exciting day at the office and that, that was probably the experience on triple x return of xander cage <laughs> i'm assuming do you know what that was for me <laughs> doing that film and in fact i wasn't looking to do anything heavy i had said sure. to my yeah. agent i i had you know, the films that I love have a certain emotional depth to them. I just love, I love, um, you know, I love funny films. I really appreciate comedy, but it, need, they need, it needs to be balanced with poignancy. And so I'd done a couple of films and I just felt like, oh, my God, what am I? I'm thinking about it a year and a half later. What is going on here? And I thought the answer is to not be emotional at work. 
So triple X was an exercise in not being emotional at work for me. And what I realized is that's not very satisfying yeah. because I thrive. You felt detached from it a little bit or was it? Like- yeah, that's just like what I, I thrive on creating emotional honesty. That's what it is yeah. for me. Um, so, yeah, when this came along, um, I was shooting a kind of light comedy in um in paris and having the time of my life and my agent said i know you weren't looking to do anything like this but and i mean i couldn't deny it it was brilliant and i knew in my heart that i had to do it and it was just a matter of how to get through it and this is the film i think where i learned how to take care of myself as an actor i mean i've been doing it since i was a teenager i'm about to turn 46 it's almost 30 years and it was this film because just knowing how intense it was and what it would require of me I didn't, I didn't just do what I did in the past, which was like throw myself in and, and, and see what happens. I really was, um, you know, I did things like I went to the gym and just energy, lit, it was very basic, just very literally shifted my energy at the end of the day so yeah. things couldn't remain stagnant inside me. And part of that is based on this specific project, I'm sure. When oh, you read yeah, the, this, you read the, the script of this project. one, again, we're not going to get into spoiler stuff, but like if you see the trailers, you'd get a sense of like the intensity of the entire material, let alone your the arc of this character, um, which, yeah, if like this is not the, the role if you're Daniel Day-Lewis method actor, you would kill yourself on the project like this there needs to be some degree of I think there's some confusion go. about what method acting is I've been I literally looked it up the other day because I was like <laughs> what is this well, anyway yeah well I think that it came about at a time Stanislavski came about with this method acting after uh, a period of um you know filmmaking was new and the acting was really presentational yes so the basic idea behind it is to align yourself so closely with the character that it feels completely honest and I mean I think that's what I try to do but I I think method acting and what people feel method acting might might be is that one you know one tortures oneself you know and you 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 know there is no way in the world someone can completely immerse themselves in a character and in that character's world it is impossible to let you know just psychologically yeah, impossible there are cameras right there <laughs> there are there yes, are and, and i mean you know you're going to text your friend and you're going to yes. you know have to stand in the shower by yourself and you know you are you know like it's just yeah abraham lincoln wasn't standing in the shower uh, ordering breakfast yeah so i, I don't like the idea of method acting it just feels indulgent yes yeah. i mean any actor worth their salt is going to try and make their performance as honest as possible. That, that's at the end of the day, that's the goal for any actor yeah. and how you get there is how you get there. But yes, it seems, but it does seem like, I don't know, I've talked to enough actors and I think it's, I think it, it seems like a trait sometimes of young actors who don't yeah, know any better I and know. it feels like and I'm, I think I'm I fell doing into work, that as well. <laughs> I'm doing work, yeah, I'm when you hurting feel, myself. really feel the grit, <laughs> yeah. then it feels somehow like it's more important or more profound or like you're really doing a job. But I don't think that's necessary. And I, I certainly didn't do that on this movie. I felt it between action and cut, and yes. then I really pushed it away. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think of, you know, I, I, and I love all stripes of actors, and I think, uh, on the one hand, some, certain kinds of actors make, I think the best ones often make it look effortless, right? And you think, I think of someone like, like Anthony Hopkins or Gene Hackman, they're just, it just feels very just organic and, and, and full bodied. And there's no, there's no, there's not a moment of thinking, even though I know they're a huge celebrity, there's not a moment of me seeing the, seeing the wheels turn. And Great. I, and because once you the, see somebody's technique, you're drawn out of it. And that really is a disservice to the piece on the whole. Yeah. You know, if you're taken out of the story, it ain't working. 
So, so the breakthrough on this one is more about self-preservation, though. I think so. Not the actual what's happening between action and cut. I mean, that you know how to do and you've known how to do. But this is about taking care of Tony a little bit. Yeah, that happened on this movie. <laughs> I'm a grown-up now. <laughs> Was your family with you for this, or did it feel like the kind um, of thing? Do you try to keep your family around when... Yeah, for, for most of my jobs, yes. But with this one, um, my kids were in school, so I was going back to LA on the weekends until the last week or two, then they came to Utah. So I had the luxury of solitude during the week and then a completely different world on the weekends, yeah. So are, are, you, are you good at saying no? Or are you like, is, it, is, is your default when you're reading a script, I'm going to love this or I'm going to look for a reason not to love it? I, if I am thinking about it in any way, if I'm on the fence and, and trying to break it down... Um, intellectually, then I know I'm in trouble. It's usually, it bypasses my brain and there's just this knowledge that, oh my God, I have to do this. If I don't do this, I'm, something's going to die. You know, <laughs> I, it's that strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's so, so how, like, generally speaking, how quickly into a script do you get that, that feel, that, that Pretty quickly. Thing in your but stomach? I'll always read it to the end yeah. um, because people put so much effort into it and, you know, it's... Anything could anything could happen. Anything, but you know, more often than not, doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, does something like this read as scary? Like, does it, like on well, the no, page? Well, no. Initially, I mean, I was told I was being sent a genre um, film, and I started reading, and I was like, "There's been some mistake here. This is just." It was kind of beautiful. It was this frank kind of look at some real emotional pain. It's yeah. about this family grief. I think ultimately, the film is about grief. Um, but it was just so raw and natural. And then, obviously, you know, that goes somewhere else. And it just totally still fascinates me that Ari was able to make what is very much a horror film, but to base it in something so real. It's really, it's all of us. It is the human condition. It is bizarrely, I mean, again, after after people see this film, they'll know what I'm talking about. It's like, it is bizarrely relatable, even considering the horrific... Yeah, Things and I think that he's, so, he's really clever in that respect because he makes you feel for them. You empathise so greatly and you invest in them and then you are taken yeah. somewhere completely unexpected. <laughs> and I think that makes the film even scarier. In some ways it's, it's about, you know, what we pass on, what yes. we inherit from our, our, our parents. And I think, you know, most of us are uh, fall into this trap. It's not a trap, but it's just the reality of, like, when you're a kid, you, you view your parents as... Parents, they're they are what they are to you, and not independent humans uh, existing in the world. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, did you? I'm curious, just like relating it to your own life. Like, was there a shift when you kind of started to think of your parents as not just your parents, but as adults that had a life before you were around? Oh and- yes, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, don't you think that happens for everyone? Yeah. It has to happen in order for a child to become an independent, autonomous person. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love my parents so much and there was a point in my life where I actually thought, how will I ever love anyone else this much? I'm just, was so, um, you know, they're very different to each other and they're, they're both so loving and supportive in different ways and they make a great couple as well. There's so much to admire about them and they've had, they've had some really, really difficult things happen in their lives and... I think for anyone to overcome their own personal crap uh, in order to, you know, there's always going to be a certain amount of um, emotional uh, baggage that you somehow 
inherit from your sure. parents. I mean, it's just a matter of to what extent, yes. really. I mean, it's part of the course. It's just part of what mm-hmm. it is. Um, but they really, you know, had a lot to, to overcome and... and um, and I think we 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 gather ancestral, uh, you know, it's in the blood. It's mm-hmm. it's. Someone told me this morning they went to this healer and they looked at her blood and could see like a specific um, uh, viral thing from like generations before. It was just a strain of it, but it was like, yep, got to get that out. And like nothing to do with her immediate experience with her own family, yeah. and that just fascinates me. Did um, and then. You, you, you know, you go to the next generation, you have two kids, I believe, I do, is that yeah, right? Yeah. You must, and uh, they're at an age where, I mean, you know, from the start, I don't have kids myself, but, you know, I, I, I'm sure as they grow up, um, you're seeing more and more of yourself and also independence. And, like, are there, are there traits of yours that you're surprised to see as your kids grow up into their it's own It's really weird for me. I can see my husband in my kids, but I find it really hard to see myself in them. But other people say that they see me in them. Mm-hmm. And I've had moments where I remember in my 20s I was walking down an aisle in a grocery store in London and I felt like my mother from the inside. It was the strangest thing. And it's it happened, wasn't like seeing it in a mirror. It was no, actually like you actually it, internalized it. An internal it. Yeah. feeling. And that's happened maybe half a dozen times in my entire life. And the other day I kind of I kind of walked up to a table where a bunch of my friends were stand, uh, sitting and I was just kind of stood at the end and they were like, oh, my God, you are so your daughter right now. <laughs> so it kind of works yeah. both ways. Have either of your kids... Uh, Fake appendicitis yet? Oh, uh, that, 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 I really I, hope they never hear that story. But I mean, I hesitate to regurgitate a, a, a story that I, I read on Wikipedia or IMDb, and I hear on a talk show. But it's just so telling and remarkable this <sighs> this this story that bear, it should be repeated in every interview. Frankly, what does you ever it tell do. you? I mean, it's so embarrassing. Yes, I faked appendicitis so much so it got to the point where they removed removed the organ from my body. Uh, um, I did have a pain in my stomach. My mother had her appendix removed at the same age and I thought, oh, I'll just give this go and see what happens. And it just got out of hand and... I mean, it's a long time ago. I don't quite understand the thought process behind it if there was one. And I'm embarrassed to say that I think it probably was to gain attention. It wasn't. Was it trying to get out of, like, school work? That too. Because <laughs> I can relate to this. I was, like, a massive truant. And, you were? And, oh, my God. See, I wasn't. I, I, I was, was a good girl. I was really good at school. And I applied myself. I enjoyed – I actually was one of those weirdos who enjoyed school. Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, in leaving school in year 11, that, that was so shocking to my parents. But I had found acting and I knew it was my thing. Um, I can't believe I made that decision. But what did, what did they make of it when you sort of intensified your, your love of acting? Were they, did it catch them off guard? Were they supportive? Was it sort of like, let, let's see this run its course? But Well, my parents were, um, you know, they said, well, why don't you just stay at school and you can kind of dabble in it on the side. And, you know, there's that quote that parents throw at their kids, like, it's good to have a backup. You want to have a backup plan. So have your dream, but have something a little more grounded in reality. (laughs) Um, But I was a very strong-willed, I still am a Mm -hmm. strong-willed female, and I knew it's what I wanted to do. And I'd done, I think I had done my first film and a few plays. I went to drama school for a little while, and then I was doing a production of Uncle Vanya opposite Jeffrey Rush at the, the, you know, beloved opera house in Sydney for the Sydney Theatre Company. And my, my, I remember my father afterwards just saying, okay... I get it, you know, so it took them yeah. experiencing 
that to, to, you know, what, telling them, sometimes telling somebody you kind of, it doesn't work. You have to kind of show them. Did, um, I mean, do you remember what that felt like the first couple of times you were on stage or, or being in these kind of larger productions and like, was it a rush? Was it a, Oh yeah. I felt so alive, so awake and, uh, I loved it that, I mean, I guess that is what the, um, addictive part of it was. I also remember like the first Real, no, not real. It was a school production, but the ex- real experience I had of of acting was um, both kind of petrifying, but also a relief. My mm-hmm. grandmother had died just before this school production, and I was nervous to perform. I, you know, and also it was a musical, so I was singing, and um, it was Godspell. And there was a scene where Jesus died, and all of the other characters were mourning, and I used the opportunity to channel so much pain that I was going through. And so initially, I think my relationship with acting was very much about expressing things that I couldn't figure out how to navigate sure. otherwise. And so that in itself was like, oh. What a great thing. Superpower I have yeah. to deal yeah. with stuff. Yeah. yeah. It, it, did you feel like... Here's one thing that I discovered when I was just looking at the filmography. Your first film had a crazy cast, right? There was some amazing performers. Like, wasn't, was Ben Mendelsohn a contemporary yeah. of yours? As ben, you, that was, well, that was the first job I did with Ben. There's a film called Spotswood, which was retitled The Efficiency Expert in right. America, which is, you know, titled <laughs> Sounds like a Steven Seagal movie or something, yeah. Cinema. Um, but it was Anthony Hopkins, Ben Mendelsohn, uh, Russell Crowe, um, and a bunch of other amazingly talented people. Yeah. And it was my first time away from home. I was 17. I was living in Melbourne for a couple of months. I had my own apartment. I was given money, you know, and I was meeting all these incredible people. And I was pinching myself. And you know what? I still pinch myself because, I, I, you know, my very, very last job was a film with Dan Gilroy. We were shooting at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. I remember getting in the car at the end <laughs> of the day and driving out of the cemetery and directly up the road that is perpendicular to the cemetery that you drive out of is the Hollywood sign. And I still get a kick out of the fact that I am on the other side of the world. Because I loved TV and film when I was a kid. And to actually be being able, just being allowed to do it, it still kind of um, blows my mind at times. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to make another triple X joke, but I decided against it. Yeah, let's not do that. (laughs) When did, um, so did you feel like you had a class of like actors that you kind of came of age with? Like the, uh, that like the Ben Mendelsohn's, the Russell Crowe's, was there a fraternity? They seemed ahead of me. They're a bit older than me and I I always felt a little kind of beneath them and not beneath them but, you know, younger than them and slightly intimidated like they knew more than I did. I often feel like other people know more than I do but that's changed in the last, I don't know, 10 years. I'm trying to find I'm a sitting in a puddle you. here. I opened a bottle of water <laughs> and now find there's... Something for you it so doesn't matter. It's not on me and I'm, it's not You're touching. okay? Yeah, you promise? Totally okay. Yeah. So, um... So was the dream or was there an aspiration of getting to America, getting to Hollywood movie not making? Not at all. I just loved either being on set or being on stage and it was an experience unto itself. I, when I did Muriel's Wedding, I had zero concept of an audience. Really. Well, no one had any expectation for that film to to go as worldwide as it did, I yeah, assume. Yeah, but I also had no idea of... I wasn't planning a career. It was literally one foot in front of the other, and it was a combination of, you know, it was really dumb luck and, and you know, application. Um, um, but, yeah, uh, yeah, no, I mean, Muriel's Wedding was... I remember the first time I watched it, because I hadn't... You know, these days I get sent a... Co- copy or there's a you know a screening yeah and suddenly I was flown to the other side of the world I was a bit jet lagged which felt a bit trippy and I was sitting in a cinema 
of over a couple of thousand people in Cannes and then there's this massive screen and there I am up there and it was really strange because... The human brain is not equipped to deal with that kind no, of... No, it ain't. <laughs> but I, I did this thing where I, re- I literally relived every scene. I just sat there laughing and sobbing and <laughs> it was one of the wildest experiences of my life. And, yeah, I guess I've never really had expectations or plans and I think the fact that I am open to what the universe throws at me somehow has allowed various experiences because I've never tried yeah. to control it. Well, exhibit A, what you were just saying about hereditary, looking for the, the light comedy, but yeah. be ready for the <laughs> yeah. dark psychological horror film. A little bit of grief. <laughs> a little bit, to say the least. So, um, did and, and Muriel was also, is also curious because that I think that's your second film. Yes, it is, yeah. You're obviously the lead in that film. And did that feel like, was ignorance kind of bliss, like in terms Absolutely. of just being the lead of your own film at 19 or 20, whatever you were yeah, at the time? Yeah, I was time. 20, yeah. Um, it didn't feel like overwhelming <laughs> at the time. It just felt like this is a ride and I'm just going to take it. Look, when I read that... Um, it was the same, it was this, not every job has this. I mean, there are things I do because it'll feel creatively satisfied, but there are a handful of jobs which feel like they are preordained life experiences that I have to have. It felt like a religious experience. I cannot tell you how, there are so many people who look at that character and they're fond of her. And then there are others who are like, I am Muriel. And I think I myself fell into the, you know, latter category and, um, it was just, it was life-changing on so many levels, yeah. yeah. What, so what happened in, in the wake of that? I mean, I, I, I know what happened by looking at the filmography and the kind of films you followed it up with, but I'm just curious, like, did that immediately have you coming to Hollywood and doing a spate of meetings and kind of like, um, or did, did it feel like there was new opportunity immediately or was there a lag time? I'm just curious, like, where? Well, um, Miramax picked up the film at Cannes and then, um, you know, they, they did an amazing job of distributing the, the film. I think um, as I get older, I realise how important marketing is. People need to know that the, it's, it is a business and people need yeah. to know that the film exists. Um, and they did a really, really great job. So I, you know, I travelled to so many festivals all around Europe and America and... Um, yeah, I had a bunch of meetings in LA. The, the film industry is quite small compared to the film industry in America. Um, I found a great agent and manager and then, you know, then the whole machine starts yeah. kicking in. You start reading things and getting offers. But I think initially I was getting either offered roles that were lead roles that were kind of similar to Muriel or smaller roles in other films because people were kind of excited to work with me but didn't quite know how to kind of fit me in um so I did a few roles kind of in in that vein worked with with Matt Reeves before he was Matt Reeves on the Paul Bearer that's kind of crazy that movie to people forget that that movie frankly exists because he kind of like reinvented himself all these years later right exactly um so yeah that was amazing to suddenly like honestly I grew up outside of Sydney and then to find myself in New York New York is like this you know, I mean, when I first got here, I really was that kind of wide-eyed 
out-of-towner who's, like, got my face pressed against the window, <laughs> totally amazed by the fact that the cabs are yellow and there is steam coming out of the road. <laughs> it was just so full of cliches, but they're so familiar and yeah. so exciting as a, as a basically as a tourist. I, I recall – I saw – I grew up here in New York, so I've been here forever, um, and I recall seeing the Wild Party. Oh, uh, yeah. So that must have been a big moment for you, too. I mean, judging by what you just said in terms of what New York meant to you um, and to be – and I know music is obviously something very close to your heart to have that kind of opportunity. Yeah, I started in musicals. I mean, I, yeah, I started singing kind of led to a love of acting. And um, The Wild Party was a new piece. It was so crazy that there were two productions being right. mounted at the exact same time. But I worked with incredible people. I love George Wolfe. He's the most wonderful director, Amazing. so passionate and with such infectious energy. Um, was that the production? Yours had Eartha Kitt? Was yeah, that? Oh my I was God. working with Eartha Kitt and Mandy Patinkin and uh, a, a bunch of other really, really incredible people. And it was very satisfying, completely exhausting. I don't know how people sustain a Broadway career because the amount of energy that you have to put out night after night yeah. is just... I mean, theatre itself is amazing, but if you're hoofing it and singing, like, it's just... It's like... I think I remember at the time feeling like it's it it must be like it's a it's a kind of militant experience. You have to be so so disciplined yeah. and and uh, I walked past actually. Um, I was walking back to my hotel the other night. I walked past the public theatre. Yeah, and I felt <laughs> such a fondness, and I was just really remembering. I mean, that time and even just like experiencing snow i mean i was running around in trainers i didn't know how to dress myself properly it was all so new and yeah. novel even at that time um but yeah i remember this what like when we first started and there was one of my numbers um which was uh it was almost like this woman who's like blabbing she can't stop and there's a lot of movement to it um and when we first started doing it, I remember just feeling so exhausted by it. And then by the time, you know, you get to the end of the rehearsal period, you are, like, master of it. You could do it standing on your head. Yeah. And just the sheer physicality of it and the resistance that you build up is is inevitable because you're putting the effort in, but it's fascinating. It's amazing because, like, I, and I, I try to see a lot of theatre if I can here, and it's like I can fool myself when I'm watching a movie or TV show, like, oh, I could do that. You know, we could all do that. You know, we, I can do it once or twice. <laughs> yeah, but then right. you're at the theatre and you see Angels in America and you yeah. see, like, you know, someone just, like, uh, I mean, it's eight like hours the Olympics. of... It's, it is. Yeah. It's, not, it's a superpower. It's crazy. Yes. Um, <laughs> you, you surprisingly haven't had the opportunity, I presume, to do much in the way of movie musicals itself. I mean, like, Connie and Carl is probably the closest you've come. Yeah, right. Um, um, is yeah, that something that you... I mean, you've talked about sort of not, like, you know, kind of... You, can, you can't steer your own ship too much in this industry, but, like, is that something that you wish or still hope to kind of... I really do. Yeah, but, do more of? I mean, I think musicals have got a bad name, and rightly so. Some of them are shocking, but when they are tastefully done and when there's something real to latch onto and the music the music will enhance the story and um and it can be quite profound um so and joyous yeah, it depends on the story but I base very basically just miss singing and uh I still write some music but it's you know my day job has very much got me kind of busy yeah <laughs> um I can only imagine the music you're writing during hereditary on your off time it could uh, it's your dark material the dark works of Tony Collette yeah <laughs> that'd be a nice volume <laughs> is there, what I mean is there a is there like a pie in the sky musical that's still kind of on your bucket list to tackle or just one that you love as a, as a fan that's uh, uh in recent years that 
that did touch you? That did kind of work for you? Um, no, no, no. To yeah. be honest, no. But but uh, there's always new work that's well, coming you're open around. To it. Yeah, 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 I yeah. really am. Yeah. So, um, Sixth Sense is always mentioned, uh, <laughs> as it should be, because it's a great piece of work. I watched it again the other day because oh, it, yeah. it holds up so well. I'm, I've always been a fan of Nights. Um, so. That and that, I mean, you know, people are drawing parallels on a surface level, and it's really just a surface level to Hereditary. They couldn't be more. Different oh, it's a completely films. different film, couldn't but I can different. see the similarities for sure. Um, and, and certainly in filmmakers, like where they're at in their career, your filmmaker in this one is a first-time filmmaker, uh, and and by the way, the conf like just the confidence he shows behind the camera of this mm -hmm. is remarkable. Yep, I and agree. similarly, Knight was at the beginning of his career. It was his second uh, film. Exactly, yeah. and and I'm always, when I when I look at his work from Six Sense on. I always see like a certitude, a like, it's just like, this is a guy that for good or for bad, he has a vision and he's taking you on a ride. Mm -hmm. Did you sense that like going in? He was a young man. Yes. And was that, is that a high for an actor? It must be. Absolutely. With both Ari and Knight, there was a complete clarity of vision and it stood alone. It was original and it felt strong. Yeah. And um, I mean, you would honestly, you'd be surprised the amount of directors who don't realize that they are in charge. Yeah. Like there needs to be some, you know, it is a very collaborative medium and, and I am really open to the idea of everyone working together. Um, but the director very, you know, has to be at the helm. Somebody has to steer the ship. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the, those guys, yeah, both of them. Did, uh, uh, I have a great fondness for, for About a Boy. Oh, uh, yeah. Not one, but two directors on that one, Chris yeah, and Paul White. Chris White's. and Paul are amazing. Um, I, I was going to say, actually, like <laughs> one thing that struck me when I was rewatching Sixth Sense, um, you played a mom at a very young age. Like you were. I was 24. In fact, I remember I turned 25 during the shoot because there was a little surprise birthday lunch thrown for me. It's, it's and it kind of like, it caused it, all different, very different sort of roles. But you played a mom many times in those years. I it know. feels like. Yeah, I really did. Was that something that that struck you as? Fine, the parts are good. Was it? I mean, this was. Yeah, the, the parts were great, and it was an opportunity to show that these were all you know vastly different people, and they happened to be. You know, mothers as well. Which yeah, is. they couldn't be ignored even the bad boy character from obviously any of them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, are you? Were you shocked as everybody else when Nick Holt turned into like Superman? Like one day we we didn't see him for like five years, and all of a sudden we saw him, and he was like seven oh, three and looked I like know, Christopher Reeve. It was I like know. crazy. I, yes, it was crazy. I mean, I remember seeing him a year after making the movie, and we were you know back together doing press and just being blown away by how much he'd grown. Let alone that huge leap. He is a beautiful boy. He, I mean, honestly, a sweet, sweet. He's a great guy. I love. I, yeah. um, but my God, he's a hottie as well. <laughs> It's so bizarre. <laughs> um, another film that really touches people. I don't. I don't even know what the box office was, but who cares at this point? It's it's the lasting power is in her, in her shoes, oh. which. Um, uh, I loved making that movie. Curtis Hansen. I love Curtis Hansen. Oh, Look at his filmography. I My know. God, a guy that could do anything. It's so varied and so. Um, so, I mean, honestly, that's another, I mean, people have drawn similarities between Knight and Ari and they may be a little more, more obvious, but I have to say I find similarities between Curtis and Ari because Curtis is someone who is um, just, I think I feel safest as an actor and, and I feel like I can really be as vulnerable as I need to be to make something real only when the director feels just as dedicated and married right. and saturated in, in the story as I am. And... Um, Curtis was definitely all of those things. My God, we had, I think on that we had a two week rehearsal period. That is, that never happens. And I thought this is going to be a waste of time. We're going to play 
pin the tail on the donkey or something. <laughs> Got this on day but two. But it was so thorough. Yeah. And Ari is so thorough. They are so in their heads and 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 beautifully so. It's so inspiring. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, more, it's about clarity and it's about... It's about depth. It's about really understanding how people work and being um, not only having the understanding inside their own skulls but being brilliant communicators, being able to articulate exactly what they want. Yeah. Um, it w- and it becomes, inf- it becomes infectious, you know. You, you, uh, it's really inspiring when you work with someone that you feel gets things on a really, really deep level. It's, I, I've asked this along these lines, this kind of question to actors over the years, because I'm always curious, because th- this kind of line of thinking comes up a lot where, like, yes, you need somebody that, that both has the passion and the vision. And what does an actor do on day two or three when they realize, oh my God, I was sold a bill of goods. This guy doesn't have He's a it. hack. Like, how do you preserve, how do you save yourself? Just I from- am a very hopeful person. So much so that sometimes I read scripts and even when in reading the script, I think, oh, I can make that better. I can, you know, I can, <laughs> I, I, and so I always do really hope for the best. Once you're already in it, you just have to, you just, you know, I'm still as dedicated. There's no no point not doing that. It's just not going to serve anybody. So, you know, you make the most of it and get through it. I I mean, it's only happened a handful of times, so I've been very lucky. And yes, I will knock on wood. Um, But yeah, for me, that has been rare and I'm very thankful for that. Um, Because it is a bit soul-destroying. I have one job, which is like the worst job of my life, and and I just... Even I think, now, it makes me. I, I won't name it, but I think because you've mentioned it's a New York shoot, right? That was here. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what do you learn as much from those kinds of experiences as the successes in terms of like whether what warning signs to look for when you go into a shoot, or is it just sort of like it's the it's the law of averages? No, no actor is ever going to you know escape unscathed in their resume. I think from, for me, on um, that really made me. I think it's really important to know why you are taking a job so if you have your own ideas that you want to address or you know then that that can be achieved despite the experience you know right so you just need to be clear about what you actually want out of it um so what uh, what i mean we kind of alluded to this at the start but like what has this been like you've been talking your head off and rightfully so <laughs> yeah, for, there for, it is on the floor <laughs> <laughs> you're you're remarkably uh, coherent given how much you're talking about this film but uh, it's all appreciate it, that. It, it but it must be it must be heartening to have some perspective to kind of like be on the roller coaster a few times and to sort of know I mean, you alluded to oh, this i know it's all swings and roundabouts this is not my first barbecue and right. i have to say it is a totally fascinating experience and I'm really excited for Ari. He looks to me and says, is this normal? Is this? And I'm like, Ari, no, it ain't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So enjoy it because it's not always like this. Yeah. Yeah. Is, um, so having said that and, and having said that you can't kind of like steer your own ship too much. Um, you just finished this film with, uh, Dan Gilroy, Dan right? Gilroy, Dan, yes. uh, I get all the Gilroys confused. Yes. There's too many talented Gilroys out there. <laughs> um, you shot a TV series, I believe, correct? I did, Wanderlust? yeah. It's a BBC Netflix co-production called Wanderlust, which we shot in Manchester, which I loved. Nick Payne, who's a brilliant playwright, um, wrote every episode. And it was, I mean, I'm so lucky. I, I think it really is all about the material for me. And just working with good writing is such a pleasure. And I feel so privileged. It's just, you know, really... 
special. And by the way, and I apologize for the construction on our building here. I know, we're in New York and people need to get their work done. Uh, I just saw uh, um, Brett Haley's uh, Heartbeats Cloud, yes. which is a sweet, wonderful movie. Isn't it gorgeous? And, and, and I, I, Nick's doing the podcast in a couple of days, oh, Nick great. Offerman. Um, and that's, uh, again, you got to shoot that here in New York. I know, it was so much fun. It was a completely different experience. I guess it was the kind of experience I'd hoped for before I did Hereditary. <laughs> because succeed. it was so easy, it was so much fun. Right. You know, it's not really my movie, it's Nick and Kiersey and it's gorgeous and it has like these it has some depth and poignancy and it's it's moving but it's also like truly elating it's just got such a light positive vibe to it and to be a part of that just felt like uh, you know a little little gift it was so much fun and I know you're ramping up in terms of producing. That's something that's something that you're you're prioritizing going forward. Yes. Yeah, I really am. I've been optioning some material and you know some pieces are being adapted. I've got some original ideas and um, so I'm producing, but I also do want to direct. I think I've I think we have found something. Oh, nice. Um, that I I would like to to direct. So um, it's just a, it's all a jigsaw and things happen in their own time and I trust that and that's part of the process. I'm not trying to you know, ram experiences. Uh, there also needs to be time of no work because um, that's, you know, that feeds your work as well. Right. And I need to go and, uh, you know, at the end of this, I'm just going to go and it's my kids finish school on Friday nice. and I am putting my phone away and I just cannot wait to just be with them and do, you know, not much. I'm going to take the hint and I'm going to let you live your life. No, no it's all good. <laughs> I'm totally teasing you. Um, uh, I, again, I remain a, such a fan of your work, and I'm so happy for you on this project. This oh, is you're a, so a, lovely. A, a, Thank a, you. Truly a, a special one. Uh, Hereditary. Um, it's uh, out in theaters. So we're going to publish this, I think, a day or two before it uh, comes out. So by the time you listen to this, it's probably out. Go see it. I only saw about 80% of it because my, my hands were over my face for a little <laughs> bit of it. So I look forward to seeing the entire thing. Oh, that's funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a hell of a piece of work, and I, I hope you enjoy this uh, the silly ride that it is. Oh, thank you. I'll see you on the next it. one. Thank you, Tony. All right, cheers. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 